edition of the blender here on the rundown wrestling network i am your host jason i am joined this week and this is the before we say that uh let me remind you this is a show where we take different hosts who haven't necessarily interacted in a while throw them in one room or one virtual room as it were have a conversation an hour we just discuss wrestling and general things no real uh free more of a free-form discussion than you get on some of our other shows uh this week's a little bit different because i am going to be joined by somebody who is with me on this week's edition of the rundown but because of the nature of this week's edition of the rundown where we had a lot of um how we say wrestlemania talk uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna have a conversation about some other stuff that wasn't necessarily WrestleMania related that we didn't necessarily get to talk about the other day. So, please welcome making his Blender debut, Ginger. Thanks for having me. This uh, th- this is gonna be an interesting one because I thoroughly enjoy talking just about wrestling in general. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Yeah, I think we're gonna have a good one. Now, Ginger, you've been a part of the Rundown family now for roughly a month or so, maybe a little bit, give or yep. take. Um, I know we sort of like brought you right in and got you flying right by the seat of your pants, but uh, for those people at home who may not know and want to get to know a little bit more in depth about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in the world of professional wrestling? Uh, I have been in the indie scene mainly. No, I shouldn't say the indie scene. I've only worked for a select few companies, but I have bumped for, God, I think it's... 13 years I've been uh, in the indie New England scene, indie scene. So, um, you know, I, I helped run companies, multiple. Um, you know, I run the audio and visual um, currently for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Um, but just doing it in general is such a stress reliever. It stops me from punching people in the face at work. Uh, um so it's, you know, it, I've always loved it. I've loved it since the day I came home from the hospital. My biological father turned it on the TV, and I've been watching it ever since. So I've been hooked. It's funny that you say it's a stress reliever because I've seen you backstage at shows, and stress reliever is not the necessary thing I would uh, think it, it is for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's where I get my stress out is by yelling and screaming at people. Oh, okay. So that go. works. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Now, uh, you talked about that it was a part of your life from a young age. Who were some of your favorites growing up? Uh, my number one as a youngster was Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I specifically remember, I just, uh, all my, my whole family tells me this. I um, had eye surgery because my eyes, eyeballs were going opposite ways. I forget what those, uh, the specific term for it is, but uh, I had to get surgery, and it was when Ultimate Warrior was about to make his return. And this was before spoilers, and you know, even the internet existed. And I, my parents always tell me that I knew. I called it early on in the pay per view. I said Ultimate Warrior will return, and sure enough. That is exactly what happened that night. So I don't remember which pay-per-view it was. might have been SummerSlam. But Are you I talking can't... about WrestleMania 8 when he came back and helped Hogan? 
Uh, it's a possibility, that one. I'm not sure which pay-per-view it was, but... That one was definitely one of those out-of-nowhere ones from the Hoosier Dome. I actually did the uh, mm-hmm. Salvation episode with uh, Sal yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, that's my earliest memory, but uh, I remember going to, like, video stores, like Blockbuster and a little corner store I used to go to in Merrimack, Massachusetts, that as soon as you walk in, you look to me to rest VHS tapes and I would flock to that immediately to watch all the old school pay-per-views and stuff and rent it out bring it back a few days later but I've always loved it and you know just going back being able to go back and watch basically any WWE or WCW pay-per-view or event now almost it's truly amazing to be able to kind of go back to nostalgia mm-hmm. and be able to relive those memories because it brings you back to being a kid you know what I mean? So when before the internet was here where you knew what was going to happen and all these people pissed and moaned and, oh, they're not doing this right, it didn't matter back then because most of the people back in the day thought it was like a legitimate thing. Right. And you didn't have these people bitching and screaming and crying about, oh, you know, the, I'm not watching it anymore because they did this. It's like, grow the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just I find that shit annoying as hell. Yeah. No, very, very, very fair point by you. Um, so, so what we're gonna do now is get into uh, some talk about what's been going on in the world of wrestling lately. Just the stuff that sort of interests us. Uh, we jot down a couple things we want to talk about, but no real notes, no real. We're just gonna go by the seat of our pants, which is sort of what we do best on this here network. So. <laughs> Let's start off with a topic that I talked in depth with Troy about on this week's edition of NXT Revisited. But, Ginger, because we spent so much time on WrestleMania, you didn't get to weigh in on the spectacle and event that was NXT TakeOver in New York. Lots of stuff coming out of that show. Uh, what were your thoughts overall right off the bat? Um, right, right off the bat. I hate the fact that Shayna Baszler retained, um, but the overall that that's like my number one thing right now. But um, uh, the pay per view, well, pay per view special, whatever you want to call it, takeover. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, the last match is obviously the match of the night, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, uh, the it was kind of a surprise that um, uh, Velveteen won. I was kind of surprised by that because I figured he was going to be the next call up, to be honest. But they didn't—they didn't, uh, they didn't have him drop it, so and gave uh, Riddle his first loss. Well, looking at your so. picks from this weekend, I imagine there'd be a lot of stuff that surprised you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, um, so you, let's start with uh, the thing that you were most upset about. Apparently, Shayna Baszler retaining the title. First off. So you didn't like the outcome. What did you think of the match overall? Of course, it was a fatal four-way. Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler, and Bianca Belair, who came into this thing on... Oh, you fucker. The... <laughs> fee... Said. I guess I should just, like... Let that go and just absorb it and just let it be, huh? Because yeah, you you're not going to stop. You can't, you can't mute me, so... Um, I thought it was good. Um, just trying to remember because it was what over a week and a half ago, right? So, um, I like that Shirai and Kyrie 
didn't really touch each other until they absolutely had to. Yeah. Or it, they they built that up pretty nicely because mm-hmm. you knew they were going and being friends. And they in the promos they had said, if we have to go at each other, we will. Right. And they built that throughout what I think the first nine minutes of the match, and then finally it was kind of forced upon them to go at each other and. You know, it was. Uh, I, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm not sure about. Um, uh, oh my God, who's the long haired chick? I'm, her name slipped my name. Bianca um, Belair. Yes, Bianca Belair. I'm not quite sold on her. Okay. I don't know what it is. Um, literally, I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. And it's not the undefeated thing. It's a, it's something about her in ring work that I'm just kind of like. Yeah, it's it's okay. Like she's, I mean, she's, she's not... sort of a throwback. She's much more of like a powerhouse type wrestler. That's how they present her her in ring stuff. Um, I, I will say like that the KOD on both Shirai and that was nice. That was impressive, and that's a move yes. that's very very tough to do well with two people. Um, yeah. because of just the logistics, the power in, its, in and of itself, but the logistics of flipping two people over in the right angle in the way that you don't hurt them. Like that was, that was really, really well done spot. It was, it was, it was pretty perfect how, uh, they, they, she, okay. So when she first, when she first hooked both of them up, I didn't think she was going to pull it off. Cause it looked like she was struggling really, really hard to keep them up and then carry them to, the middle of the ring and then pull off the spot but she pulled it off beautifully in my opinion it was she did it safely um she didn't you know they they landed um not on top of each other because if they landed on top on uh, one on top of another that could have turned into a disaster right. but I mean, two uh, heads knocking with that force would be that that's bad. a tooth gone right easily and probably concussions for both Oh yes, absolutely. But um, yeah, no, she pulled that off beautifully, and I was surprised by her power. Yeah, and if uh, if anybody out there hasn't uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel for the WWE PC, go and check it out. There's a nice little bit there about Bianca Belair and sort of her prep, and apparently she uh, makes her own gear as her way of sort of settling her nerves prior to her event. So she made her gear for that night, and apparently got really worked up and the night before and just started adding rhinestones to it so just cool it's sort of a cool story that that youtube channel is great because you get a lot of sort of insight on the the nxt talents a lot of times pretty cool Um, i have not checked that out i gotta check that out i've been meaning to like all week yeah some great stuff you can go back and look through the history stuff it's great um now so your primary sticking point here, your primary issue is that Baszler retained, and you weren't a fan of Baszler retaining. Is that because you don't like Baszler, or you just would have preferred a different storyline? Oh, no, she's awful, in my opinion. Every single every single match that she has worked, she has to work a body part the whole time. Every single match. But that's that sort of plays to her gimmick of UFC fighter. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, to the point... How many? T- I said this about Orton on... Uh, on Thursday, how often can you do that before people are like, okay, this is getting boring, which I think people are starting to, because when she went over, people were, I think people were legitimately pissed that she won that match because it's starting to get stale. I don't think it's starting to get stale. I think people have a great affinity for both of the Sky Pirates as well as the Bianca has a good following. And I think a lot of yeah. people sort of expected Baszler to drop the title because mm-hmm. uh, she was expected to sort of move up. As for her style, I mean, to me, it's not a problem because you say how how long before people get bored with that, but the reality is she also sells really well, I think. 
And you put her in there with somebody who can work and do sort of things like Io Shirai can do, where she can do the high flying and the fast wrestling. And mm-hmm. Shayna can hang with her in that regard. So now you have a match where you have two just completely contrary styles. And I think that always makes for a, a great, great match. Plus, you've got the other four horsewomen on the outside sort of adding another element to sort of a stable of women in NXT, which is something we don't really see all that often. Um, so I, I, I sort of like her presentation, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, I'm glad you brought up the other four, the the two others uh, yes. with the four horsewomen. Do you think they threw them with her um, because they had a feeling that people were going to start turning on, you know, on on Chena because she was kind of getting stale? So they wanted to throw those two with her and be like, "Here you go, here's a little extra just to keep it going smoothly." No, no, I think people they knew there was a real life connection, and I think it made sense. They were at ringside for her big match at Evolution, and it made sense to use them as the way to sort of get the underhanded heel to beat the beloved Kyrie Sane. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that at all. I think, and they they're green as goose shit. There's no doubt oh, about yeah. that. But <clears throat> oh, yeah. and I think having Shayna gives them an opportunity to get TV time and sort of become known to the fans while they don't have to necessarily be in the ring, which is Mm -hmm. good for the long term while they're still doing their training thing. Um, And Shane overall to me is one of the better characters because everything she plays sort of that badass bully and it's believable. And I think that's, and she plays it really, really fucking well. Um, And I think that's sort of something that's, that's missing is a lot of people don't play their characters as well and you look at someone and and as much as i'm a fan of her in ring work you look at Kyrie saying it and what the fuck is her character like this girl comes out <laughs> the pirate print like it just doesn't make any sense it's not relevant or relatable Shayna as a badass is a relatable character and i think she's she's excellent at that oh i think almost what she uh, plays the, the bully the, the and character. everybody yeah, oh, can yeah. relate to that and i think that that makes her that it, it makes her a great heel and it also makes her um, believable. God, she's just gonna face that. I. It's just I. I, I don't normally say this. I. Just, she's just got one of those faces. I just want to punch her in the face. I don't know what it is. Well, no, but again, <laughs> that's what she's supposed. Oh to yeah, be. no, and it's great because it works for the character. So it's like you look at her, you just like you got one of those. You got one of those faces that I just. Oh, but I mean, obviously, they like what she does. And she's apparently doing exactly what they want her to do um, because she's still holding the title. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I couldn't do the shit that she does. I'll willingly admit that. That's why she's in the company. And I am not even fucking close to being there. But I don't know. Just something about uh, I just, yeah, it's just meh. All right, well, let's move on because there's a lot of other stuff that took place at TakeOver. Uh, you touched on Velveteen and Matt Riddle. I thought that was – up until Gargano and Champa, I thought – I'm sorry, Gargano and Cole. I thought that was sort of my match of the night. Of course, at first I thought War Raiders and Black and Ricochet was my match of the night. So that's the beauty of NXT is every match <laughs> turns into match of the night. Um, but, of course, Dream's entrance, we touched a little bit on that on the rundown. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I, I said on ta- on the post takeover edition of uh, Revisited, the thing I really loved about the way this match was put together was that it was sort of a fluke roll up win, which you don't get a lot in NXT. It's usually finish nope. finish pinfall. 
Um, mm. But I think this was done in a way now, obviously Riddle took his first defeat, but he did so in a way that it seemed fluky. You can go back to this match. It's still He's still a credible challenger for Dream. He doesn't lose oh, yeah. anything in the eyes of the fans. And he had him in the bro mission and just sort of, it felt he fell asleep a little bit and Dream was able to capitalize. Um, so I think it was booked really beautifully. And that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of the difference to me between NXT and the main roster is that they book to keep guys strong for the long term. Even in defeat. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, they obviously are putting a lot on Matt Riddle. Um, you know, he came in. Uh, what? They signed him and then had him on a card in, what, a month? Yeah, something like that. I mean, he, so he, he was, did uh, sitting in the crowd at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn, right? So it was in the summertime, around summer. Yeah. It was the SummerSlam show. So mm-hmm. six months now, he's already in the North American title match. Exactly. So they're, they're obviously, you know, on his ass a little bit and love it and kiss it and smooch it, and they're pushing him to the moon, which, I mean, he's a great worker. So, I mean, well, and, hey. And depending on who you believe, they changed the wellness policy to take marijuana out specifically to be able to sign Matt Riddle. So, Hey, uh, in my opinion, I'm okay with that because I don't think that is technically a drug, so to speak. But some other people have their opinions. Some other people, you know. Well, we live in Massachusetts, and we've been legalized, and I'm on that bandwagon. I've been on that bandwagon for a while anyway. So no, no skin off my teeth. I just found it for all the... For all the guys yes. they've had, that they've wanted to sign, that they have signed, that they've had, you know, wellness policy violations for, and, um, you know, the, the long chronicled issues they had with RVD when he was there and when all that stuff's been yep. touched on. And I just found it funny that this was the guy that they went, you know what? Fuck it. We want him bad enough. We'll change the policy. Um, well, let me ask you, is it just NXT or is it all of WWE that they change the policy? I believe it's all of WWE. It's a corporate policy, so... Okay. All right. Well, well, I mean, good on them for, I mean, hey, it's just going to help out other people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, but, but I get your point where they're like, all right, this guy's hot. We got to change the policy just for this one guy. <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely. how pissed off other people that have failed wellness policies because oh. of marijuana are like, they must be ripped shit. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But it happens, yep. you know, and. Matt Riddle was what? He he was blowing the fuck up on the indie scene, and that's why I think they knew they were going to be able to get a shit ton of more money if they brought him in. So they said, hey, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's just get rid of that. And I don't blame them. Absolutely. All right. So also on TakeOver New York, we had a tag team title match. Uh, This one was interesting to me because I think we all sort of went into it. Knowing it was a foregone conclusion, Alistair Black and Ricochet weren't winning this match, that this was sort of their last <laughs> match in NXT. Um, but I still think they fucking... They they did such a good job with this match, they got me thinking, holy shit, they're actually going to do the switch here and put the belts on them at one point. When Ricochet hit that 450 splash, uh, the, the shooting star press, sorry, I totally bought into that pinfall, that near fall. Um <laughs> So I, they did an amazing job, and that match was just outstanding. And, and I'm an unabashed Todd Hansen fan, always will be. Um, yeah, yeah. But even if I wasn't friends with the guy, I mean, that was just a fucking fantastic match. Yeah, 100%. I, you know what I find weird about the NXT shows? They always start off with tag matches. And guess what? It always fucking works. <laughs> because so, Hunter, Hunter it, loves tag wrestling, unlike Vince, yep. who hates it. And you can see the difference in the way the, it's booked on the different shows. 
I, I, in my opinion, I think Trips doesn't really like you know have the agents tell them exactly what to do all the time. I think he kind of just has his agent stand there and listen to them go over the match and shit. And then if the agent's like, okay, I think that's all right, I th- it, that's going to be what it is. Yeah, and in I my think opinion. he trusts his writers a little bit more too. I'm sure he's got a team yes. on there, but I'm not. I don't think he's necessarily as overriding of of the writing staff as maybe. So, yeah. So I mean, all the power to him, but um, the match, yes, uh, I agree with you. Uh, that shooting star, I was like, oh shit, they're gonna do this, yeah. and surprisingly, it did not. But yeah. I noticed over this wrestling weekend, it was a lot of that. Yeah, no, a lot of oh. It, it, it's something that is missing from wrestling nowadays. Well, WrestleMania is definitely kick out of your finish season, that's for sure. I I, I, I would like to go back. I have to go back and watch a show because I usually like to do this every year and see how many matches had kick out of <laughs> finishers because it's usually <laughs> almost every single match. Well, I know the Brian and Kofi one. Kofi hit his finisher once, and that was it. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that right there, that that's good. But the label so lock that, was on about four times, and he kicked out of the running knee. So, even yeah, within that with match. The, yes, in the match, yes. But they gave Kofi the strong finish. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. All right. So, that's going to bring us to the TakeOver main event match. And this was the one that sort of got everyone talking. I, You know, we've gone on record about our feelings about Meltzer, but his star rating, he gave it 5.5. So, he was not far off, in his opinion, from Okada and Omega, which is a pretty staunch uh, praise of this match. I didn't even, I, I loved this match. I don't know that I would put it at five stars. I thought it was four and a half, four, four yeah. and three quarters. Um, but it was, I mean, there's certainly no doubt that it was a fantastic match. Um, oh, yeah. The main point of this match, and, and we can get into some of the minutiae later, but the reason I, I sort of wanted to have this conversation um you were in the host thread, so you saw some of this discussion. There were two schools of thought, and Adam had his school of thought. And I, like I said on the show, I completely, 100% can see where he's coming from, and I don't. Mm-hmm. This is not a criticism of his take because I think his take is completely valid. Uh, but his take was he, there were too many false finishes at the end, and it sort of took. Oh him yeah. Um, my take on that was that if you go back and watch, the crowd was very, very pro Cole, and Gargano oh, was yes. getting booed. And every one of those false finishes turned the crowd a little more towards Johnny, set him up to yep. be the ultimate underdog, like, oh, my God, look at everything he's coming back from. And that was what created that amazing moment where the roof blew off when he won the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those false finishes, if they're not there, I don't know that you have that same moment at the end. What do you think? Uh, yeah, um, 100% agree on that right there is – Yes, there was a lot of false finishes, but like you said, when Gargano came out for his entrance, they were booing the shit out of him. They did, they couldn't care less about him, and Adam Cole got a humongous pop when he came out. Completely, 100% flip by the end of that match. And even through the match, it wasn't until those false finishes happened that they were still booing Gargano. Yeah. And I was watching it, and I noticed that immediately. Out, as soon as the match ended and the crowd went fucking nuts, I was like, that motherfucker pulled it off and completely flipped that entire crowd of yep. – and just – it was quite amazing to see 
that whole thing play out. Yeah, and I don't think that happens without telling the story of nope. all those false finishes. And I think that's why it, they were valuable where they were. Um, and, of course, the thing that sort of got a lot of people talking the next day, the moment at the end, of course, after Gargano wins, obviously Candace comes out and celebrates. Very emotional moment. You can see oh, yeah. just the sheer joy of husband and wife sharing that moment together. Then they go up the aisle, and the camera cuts away to the crowd, and you just hear the crowd explode. And you come back, and you see Tommaso coming up behind them. And I think my favorite part is Johnny. You can see him melt the words. He's behind yep. me, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yep. he's behind me. And then he turns around. Uh, and then sort of completely blowing kayfabe in a way we usually only see sort of the women be allowed to do. Um, mm. When you go back to, like, the four horse women when, when Bailey beat Sasha, and they all came out and shared a moment in the ring together. <laughs> um, we don't usually see that with men's division or men's title, at least not in front of the crowd. But Tommaso comes out and a huge embrace for Johnny and, and Candice and just really sharing a moment that was supposed to be theirs together in the ring, uh, still getting to be a part of that moment. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, um, I believe it was somebody in our thread that said this. It gave you the conclusion, not that you wanted, but you got a conclusion to the story that they were going to be telling that night if Ciampa didn't get injured. Yeah, that was my take on Revisited, was that this was sort of, even if Ciampa can't get back in the ring, we've sort of had some closure to that story mm -hmm. now. That yeah. <clears throat> I think they decided we're getting closure to that story one way or another. And I thought, and I, I mentioned on Revisited, I thought they tied Ciampa into the match well, too. I mean, Cole did the Ciampa armbar. Mm -hmm. he, he did the fairy tale ending in the match on the table. Um, mm -hmm. So I think they made they went to great pains to make sure that Ciampa had sort of a representation in the match, even though he was Which is well-deserved, too. I mean, the poor bastard is on the fucking hottest streak of his fucking career. Twice. And then all of a twice. Twice. Yeah. It, and the poor bastard gets... The neck injury yeah. and uh, maybe even not even be able to do in-ring competition again yeah. that guy has busted his ass his whole career it's because i mean i i believe i said this in one of the first episodes i was on here um on the rundown and i said you know i used to watch him when he was tommy penmanship of a chaotic wrestling yeah. and like and he for real, bust. one of the nicest guys, too. Just oh, yeah. a tremendous person and individual. Mm -hmm. um, and you hate to see people go through that. And again, I don't mean to keep shilling this, but the WWPC yeah. channel has a great, great <laughs> video uh, chronicling Champa's trip to for his surgery. Um, Triple H revealing to the rest of the roster that he was going to forfeit the title prior to it happening. Uh, he talks at length about his, him and his wife's struggles to conceive their child and how special that is. Um, just go and watch that, and you'll understand why this guy can't be a heel again. Like, as great no. as he was at it, the way this story has played out, he's coming back 100% babyface, and uh, mm -hmm. deservedly so. Uh, and, and like I said on Revisited, and I don't know your take on this, I it wouldn't have felt right if you looked in the history of NXT and Gargano had never held that title. Yeah. So, so I think that had to happen. Even if it's a brief run, yep. he had to be in the record books. He's been such a critical, integral part of NXT and, and this sort of rebirth that he had to have the title at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, look, yeah, I, you go back, we, we had the Finn Balor, um, Kevin Owens sort of class of NXT with Sami Zayn. And a lot of people mm -hmm. said, oh, this is the best class of NXT you're ever going to have. We're better no. now. I mean, you look yeah. at Gargano, Ciampa, Almas, Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle's there now, War Raiders. I mean, Adam Cole, the rest of the... Like, this is the most stacked NXT roster we may ever see. 
Uh, we say that now, but we could be fair saying point. different in two years. That's a fair point. You know what I, I mean? It's. I don't think. See, now all these indie companies with all elite with MLW, they're all clamoring to sign guys, and I think WWE got a little bit ahead of the curve and signed all these top indie guys to come in before that happened. So now they have this collective, and I don't think you're going to be able to see that sort of mass signing of top indie guys uh, the way it happened anymore. Um, yeah, you make a good point, but, I mean, in two years, it could be a whole nother plethora of indie stars, and like I just said a minute ago, you know what I mean, two years from now, and Trips and Vince could be like, hey, contract, here you go, sign it over, and they could be better talents. It's going to be fucking very hard to top the talent that's on the roster right now, but it can be done. It can, you can always get better. It's very, very true. Okay, then we'll have to wait and see, but uh, this is sort of a golden era of NXT right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, now, moving on to a WWE roster story. This was not covered on the rundown because it sort of broke in the last couple of days. Uh, mm. Just came out, and it depends on who you believe, but this is now, we're, t- we're talking a pretty large number of writers and, and sort of insiders have, have posted this. So even if you don't believe Meltzer, there are some pretty credible guys who are saying the same thing. Um, apparently, Sasha Banks was incredibly upset with the decision to remove the women's tag team championships from her and Bailey. Uh, so much so there are reports she was throwing sort of temper tantrums, complaining backstage. Uh, WrestleMania weekend about it, uh, and even has threatened to quit the company and, and is now basically was told by the company, take a couple weeks, cool off, and uh, come back to us and let us know what you want to do. Um, so there's a couple different schools of thought here. There are people that say it's unprofessional, uh, sort of childish. I have a different take on it, but I'm curious to see what you think. Um, it's from uh, what I've heard from reports from people that, you know, are, they, they, they're kind of close to Sasha. They talk to her. She hasn't been happy for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, uh, from what, and also from what I've heard, she had to leave. Everybody's like, oh, she was going to just not show up. She had a family issue going down, so she had to leave, apparently. This is rumor and innuendo. The Wendy Williams show she, she missed. Yes. Yes. So, and apparently she had an issue that she had to deal with. That's fine, but people are obviously going to blow that out of proportion if all these other reports are coming it, out. It is a bad look when you blow off that. Yes. So you have a family <clears throat> emergency, and then you're on Instagram posting pictures of you and your husband on vacation. Yeah. Not a great look. <laughs> no, absolutely. Even not. if it's true, and I'm not doubting the credibility of, of a family situation, yes. but it's certainly yep. certainly not a great look as a professional. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But, no. I mean, it's – now, if – okay. So if she really is complaining about losing the tag straps, her and Bailey, I'm sorry. Get over it. It's the business. You know what I mean? You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. Yes, you feel that you haven't been giving – or you haven't been used to your full potential. You need to go out there and show it. If, if you feel that way, either pull somebody aside. I know it's I, I know it's it's probably a lot uh, easier said than done. But if you're that upset about it, go and pull somebody aside. Be like, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I need to know if I'm going to be used or am I going to just job out or whatnot. 
But for her to com- if she is complaining about it, you were the first ever women's tag team WWE champion with you uh, with your best friend. Who complains about that? Whether you drop him or not, you will go down in the book as the first. So, well, first, and, and my take on that uh, in our hosthood was Vince doesn't give a shit about men's tag teams. What made her think no. he was going to give a shit about women's no, tag teams? No, and I agree, and I said it's um, going to be even less. Yeah. To, okay, so let me play devil's advocate here. Let me let me take the side of Sasha Banks here for a moment, mm-hmm. because Sasha's been very loud, very vocal about wanting to better women's wrestling as a whole. Mm-hmm. Not for herself necessarily, but for the other women as a whole. And I sort of see her point in not, and this isn't a knock on the Iconics, but we spent two separate episodes discussing how their in-ring work was way behind where it should be. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're getting by on being a comedy act. And for Sasha's part, she's seeing this revolutionary new tag team title basically taken off of them in two months and put onto a comedy act where she, her concern and it's a valid concern oh, yeah. is that this title is not, is now going to be relegated to the comedy act that we've seen or the non-factor that we've seen the cruiserweight title become um, by taking it off of two of the more high profile female performers on your roster. So mm. I sort of can, I, I can understand her concern there and why yeah. that would upset her. Now, to the general speaking of her time in WWE, I can argue there have there may have been no more misused talent than Sasha Banks for a couple of yes. reasons. First off, you look at when she came in. The crowd was literally chanting, we want Sasha, the way they're chanting, we want Becky now. The difference was Vince McMahon's plan was don't put her on TV at all. Really make them want her. And they just went, well, we're not going to get her. We're going to fucking find something else to cheer for. And they stopped caring. And she never got that white hot again. They missed their opportunity. Now, to their credit, they apparently learned from that mistake and capitalized on it with Becky. Although I will say Becky's run to WrestleMania was really bad booking and creative. But but they at least followed through with the promise. With Sasha, they never did. And over, over and above all that, we've never gotten to see the best iteration of Sasha Banks on the main roster. And by that, I mean the boss character, the heel badass chick that we saw down in NXT. We've never gotten to see that. Vince is obsessed with her being a face. And and you go back, was she a five-time women's champion now without a single successful defense? Never. I, I mean, she's had one successful title defense. That was that first tag team match against the, uh, the Samoan team. Uh, uh, yeah. So... I would make a case. I think you can make a very, very good case that she has every right to feel like she's been mishandled and misused. And if they're not going to value her and use her in a way that you know sets her up for success long term, then someone else might and let her go find someone else who might. Um, I, I think if she walks into All Elite tomorrow, she's probably the first women's champion, and they'll present her in a much more flattering light. I'd imagine. Yeah, um, like you said, though they, they they screwed the pooch, so to speak, when you know at the beginning when they're chanting for her and they don't give her, you know that that was their miss. But you know, and that and that really sucks for her because she's a great worker. Yeah. Um, oh, just go back I to think... the Bailey thing where they started the the rivalry and they had them turn on each other, and then and then what? And did, then how did they, they follow? And... How did they follow it up? They went to fucking family counseling. Really. This is like, this is the shit, and you can sit here and say that they wouldn't do this to the men, but they did it to Daniel Bryan and Kane. 
Which worked. It worked for them, but those are different characters. It's not a formula Mm -hmm. that works all the time. And even still, they changed counselors after every week. They just showed them in the back. We didn't get actually any audio from it. They just showed that Mm -hmm. it was going on. It was not done well. So they've never really done a good job in booking her. But you can go back and look at her series with Charlotte. It was fantastic. Her mm-hmm. her in-ring performances have never, ever let been a letdown. No. Um, and even as recently as her Royal Rumble match with, with uh, Ronda Rousey, I thought was fantastic. Uh, yes. I, she way over-delivered because I thought that match was going to be kind of a clusterfuck, to be honest. And she fucking knocked that right out of the park. Absolutely. And she's never been given the due by the company. So I can totally understand her frustration. Bailey, too. Bailey's been horribly misused. She has been not characterized in the way she should have been either. The way Mm -hmm. that got her over in NXT. This is almost like Vince's way of going, okay, these guys were were over over in NXT, but that won't translate. So let me rebuild them in a different way. And it doesn't fucking work. It never does. The only people who have really come up from NXT and had considerable success have been the guys who either came into NXT with solid name recognition already, like Samoa Joe, or guys who came up to the main roster continuing the same sort of gimmick and style that they had down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of wasn't paying attention when the Shield was in that NXT. They weren't together it, it in It was NXT, like five minutes they were down in NXT. It was uh, F, FCW for most of them, most of their time. Yeah, that was that was when it like just got yeah. started. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was so, right before NXT was NXT. I think Ambrose was on the first tapings of NXT. That was it. Jesus Christ. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's trying to bring them up and rebuild them 100%. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You have to keep going with what they come in with because that's what people know them as. Because you know they're watching NXT NXT along with your product. Yep, you have to continue. You have to have a continuation, or else it's gonna fucking fail, like it did. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, hard, hard to blame Sasha. It'll be interesting to see sort of how this thing plays out, how it affects Bailey. Um, but I do think there's a there's an interest, and it wasn't interesting. And Becky Lynch chose to tweet at her this week and so- simply fight me. And to me, that was Becky giving a nod to Sasha, like. I'll help you get fucking back to where you should be. Uh, And I thought that was cool. And I hope that happens. I really do, because I'm I'm a big fan of Sasha. I've mentioned I've worked with her in the past. I I Mm -hmm. really, really like her, and I think she has a lot of potential that has not been tapped by the main roster uh, to their loss. And I hope hope they can figure something out and make it work. Real quick question. Do you think they gave her that match with Ronda to see what she could do, and then that's why they kind of like looked at it at the Rumble and then was like, you know what, we'll give them the tag team straps, but they're not going to have it for long because we're going to do something else. Do you no, think that's I the think as soon as they going? put them back together, the, the plan was to get them the tag team titles. I think that was, that was why they sort of put them back together. <clears throat> um, yeah. But I, I, I think the match at Royal Rumble was more or less, I think they were starting to drive the notion of Ronda taking out the four horsewomen one at a time. To leave mm-hmm. the WrestleMania, I think that was why that match happened, uh, and probably why Sasha flashed a little four at the end in her face. So, I think that was the storytelling they were trying to do there. Because Bailey challenged her, I think, on Raw the next night too. So, I, I think that's where they were going with it. Um, so, let's keep this uh, this blender stirring, if you will. This week, it beca- and I know you're not a huge, huge 
dirt cheap guy. So, and I, I probably you. saw it. I probably came scrolled past it, but story came out this week that All Elite Wrestling is nearing a deal for a weekly two-hour television show on TNT. Now, sort of occupying that old Monday Nitro slot. Now. We've heard for years there can never be another Monday Night War, that another company can never compete with WWE. It's shaping up that AEW will have the one thing that nobody has ever been able to get to allow them to compete with Vince, and that is a national cable television deal. You can make a case that Impact had it, but Spike TV certainly not the same viewer base that uh, TNT has. Not the same hype around that product that All Elite has, obviously. Um, Citing, you can make a case that All Elite will feature the best singles wrestler and the best tag team wrestlers in the world, depending on who you believe that mantle belongs to. You can certainly make a case for Omega and the Bucks, if you want to. Do you think that All Elite is taking steps that can make them a long-term, not necessarily right off the bat like some people seem to think, but long-term competitor to the WWE? You know, the one thing that Vince McMahon very rarely does is fail. The only thing that he's ever failed at was the XFL, uh, right? Just w- about WBF. Well, yeah, that too. But that's that was shenanigans. I think he was just like, "Get the fuck out of here with this bullshit." He's about um, to fail with the XFL again. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, I think. And I think that's this is one of the main reasons that they did sign all those indie talents because they didn't want AEW getting a stacked roster and then coming in and getting some, giving them some stiff competition. Um, if they do the same exact time lot time spot as Raw, that's not going to be very smart. No, they're, they're, the rumor is it's going to be a Tuesday show starting in October after SmackDown okay. moves to Friday nights. Uh, that, that won't be too bad then. I don't think that'll be a big deal. Um, I don't think they ever will because they won't, A, want to lose the ratings. I mean, I know ratings are kind of a stupid thing to talk about nowadays, but people, the TV stations still look at ratings. Mm-hmm. So... You got. I don't think they'll ever go head to head on Mondays because they they've we've seen it in the past where WCW yeah they beat them for they beat them for eighty three weeks, but in the end look who's still standing. No, see the interesting comparison, and you, we brought up the Monday Night Wars here, and I think this is a very mm-hmm. interesting comparison, not necessarily for the notion of the head to head broadcast, but to me when I look at the WWE prior to the rise of the NWO, and I look at the WWE now. I see a lot of similarities in that I see a lot of talent very badly misused by creative. I see Vince with sort of the same old tropes that have always worked for him or worked in recent, not really changing things up, not really pushed creatively to to challenge people, to be different, to Mm -hmm. go outside the box. It feels very safe in the WWE right now. Yeah, well, they have no competition. And that's that's my point. That's my they, point. They have, I believe it's on uh, Bruce Pritchard's uh, podcast. He says this all the time. There's no better time to watch wrestling than when there's competition. Right. But we're starting, so I think we're starting to see that now because what you have, there may not be direct huge competition, but whatever it is that you're not getting from the WWE that you want as a fan, you can get from somewhere else. 
If you want great flippy shit, I'm sure AEW is going to deliver you that great flippy shit. If you want brutal, stiff wrestling, you can look at New Japan and you're going to get that. If you want great 60-minute in-ring product, you can go to Ring of Honor and you're going to get that. If you want Enzo and Cass, you can go to Ring of Honor and I you're going to get that. I fucking believe that. <laughs> but that. But whatever you want, there's a place that can get it to you. MLW, oh, yeah. a lot of people are sleeping on MLW. If you watch their show on YouTube, weekly show, it's a tremendous product. They have a great talent roster, uh, lots, of, lots of guys getting an opportunity. So there is literally something for everybody. So when you say there's not competition right now, I do disagree in the sense that I think – Vince is. I leaving. should. I should. Okay. Okay. If, if you're gonna nitpick it like that, there's no giant company. To there's compete. no one singular entity going. Yes. But, but there is. They have their approach to booking their talent and their storylines has allowed a hole for these companies to grow their fan bases exponentially. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If, if, and, if Vince books WWE, taking advantage. if Vince books WWE more to the hardcore fans, I don't think New Japan gets the foothold in America that they've gotten. Put it that way. Uh, I don't know. Some people like the fucking neck snapping. Oh shit. sure, some people, some people would, but it would not be nearly as as popular as it is now. Is my point? Oh no, no. If they, if they stuck with the the. E, e, if you want to call it this, the EC, ECW style stuff, yeah, no, not New even, Japan not pro- even hardcore though. I'm talking just like stiff, like real or almost strong shoot- style. Yeah, yeah, almost felt feels like shoot fighting at times. Yeah, um, and that's sort of why to Vince when we talk about what Vince has done lately. I think the greatest indictment of Vince McMahon's booking of WWE is that to me and to a lot of other people. The most anticipated show WrestleMania weekend was the NXT product, the product that Vince doesn't book. If you booked just Daniel Bryan versus Kofi, I think that would have trumped the NXT card. But that's Maybe. me. Maybe. Maybe. Because that, that that was probably one of the best like stories that they've told in quite some time. Except that it, it was completely accidental. It wasn't that they booked it and planned it. Well, at least they took advantage they of it did. and didn't absolutely. let it slip and through I, the fingers. Because they are well known for that shit. And I've given them 100% just talked about credit. Sasha. The one that they booked and they conceived of a year ago was Charlotte and Ronda and Becky got thrown into the mix. And that was booked atrociously. So the one where they didn't have time to fuck it up. They didn't fuck it up. The one where they had plenty of time to overthink and overdo it and fuck it up, they did. So, it was all rushed, and it was good. So Yeah, yeah, no, very, very true. All right, we're going to keep this moving because we do have a bunch of stuff on this list that I think would be cool to talk about if we have time. Uh, so let's start with tomorrow night. We get the first episode of two nights of the Superstar Shake-Up. Going to be interesting because there's a lot of stuff that could happen. We don't really know uh, what we're going to do. So, Ginger, if you had to pick some guys to shake up, and let's say we can shake guys from NXT to the main roster, we can shake guys from the main roster down to NXT, vice versa, Raw, SmackDown, who are you moving? Who do you think could benefit the most from a move? Um, They need, on SmackDown, they don't have very many big guys. Like, who do they have for, like, a bigger guy right now, SmackDown? On SmackDown? Yeah. Nobody really, Joe? right? 
Joe. But he, no, yeah, okay. You you could throw him in the big guy. That's Braun. I think is going to SmackDown or Joe's coming to Rock because they obviously told that story on yeah. SmackDown last week. Oh, I shit my um, pants when Braun came out to challenge. I didn't Joe. expect that. I, that that that's the only thing I want to see now after that moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully they take advantage of that and don't let it slip through their fingers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, I'm trying. To, I think. Are they continuing that thing with Shane and Miz? It certainly seems that way. I mean, the heel went over in the big match. That usually means we're going to continue it. Uh, okay, then uh, they'll they'll keep Miz on SmackDown then. Cause I, I think say, Miz maybe should that... stay on SmackDown because last time yeah. they moved him to Raw, he started to feel like a bit player again. He feels like a bigger deal on SmackDown than he does on Raw. Yeah. Which kudos to him for that. Um, let's see. Who, who would we go from SmackDown? I, I think you're getting the Usos on Raw. Okay. That's why they threw the Hardys on the smack, uh, threw the titles on the Hardys. It could very well be. Um, which I hope they do because the fucking tag division on Raw is just, God, it's a fucking mess. See, you say so, that part of me hopes we get Roman on SmackDown because on this show, people who have listened long term will know I've been a huge proponent of the notion of Roman, the Usos, and Joe forming a Samoan faction. Oh yeah. Even though Joe doesn't is the only person yes. in the fucking history of the sport yes. to not be in that family, yes. but nobody else um, knows that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's you it's got, whatever. You got Samoa situation. Joe and a Samoan named Joe. There you go. So, um, can I ask you something? A little bit off subject. What sure. the fuck happened to the authors of Pain? Where'd they go? One of them's injured, and they usually don't. Oh, yeah. One they usually oh. work them as a team. Okay, all right. Never mind then. Um, yeah, but I. I I'm a little lost on, so if, I think Finn goes to SmackDown and Joe goes to Raw. Okay. That's, that's, and then maybe, you might see Roman go to SmackDown. That could be. I, I could it, that would that. be interesting to see. And you get, you get some time, you can keep Roman and Seth apart if that's sort of the money feud for yep. Mania next year and that's where you want to go. You can mm-hmm. sort of give them some separation and storyline, which I think they need yeah. to do. Because yeah. it's going to be a hard sell to go a whole year without Roman going after that Universal title knowing he had to give it up without ever actually losing it. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I, I'm kind of intrigued to see where they go with that, whether either Roman goes heel, which will never fucking happen, or if Seth goes heel, or they go baby baby, because you know, you know Vince doesn't like baby versus baby. Yeah, yeah. So, who's gonna make the heel turn? Because you know they're gonna go for that match. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 th- I think the smart money would be on Roman to turn heel. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. It's long overdue. We've already sort of seen the Seth heel turn. I don't think Seth was, was tremendously successful as a heel either. Uh, he was all right. I think he was just presented in a way of sort of being that sniveling, whiny little chicken shit heel, which he should have But it worked for him because he was an annoying little it, bastard. So, <laughs> so it worked for him in the sense that he got booze, but the problem is he's, he didn't get booze. Triple H got booze through him. Because he was yeah, the whatever. face of the authority. But, but it wasn't, but it wasn't Seth it was that they take. cared about. That was the problem. It wasn't Seth that they cared about. It was booing Triple H and Seth being that vicarious um, representation of Triple H. And that's why Seth himself never actually got over as the heel. That was sort of my okay. issue with that. All right. Um, let, let's talk about this because this is a fun topic. If you could flex somebody down to NXT that you think from the main roster that you think could
could benefit greatly from a rundown in NXT. And we've seen that before. We've seen Tyson Kidd get that. We've seen mm-hmm. Cesaro get that. And then they sort of come back up, and they're in a, in a better light in the company. Who do you think would fit that bill? Because i got a name oh, right off the shit. bat. You, why don't you go? i got to think about this for a minute. Let me, let me, Curtis Axel, I think, is a guy that could really, really do well down in NXT as a top guy down there. Guy can work his ass off, has a little bit of an issue with the personality, with the sort of the hokey things they have him do, but if he's presented just as a guy competing as a great wrestler for a championship, which is more the presentation down in NXT, I think he could really excel in that situation. Okay. After thinking about it for a second, Shelton Benjamin. Because mm. you know he could hang with all the talent down there, yep. but in they're not doing jack shit with him on the main roster. Yeah, yeah. and he's um, a great mentor for them. Yeah, and the thing is, too, like, you know Shelton can pull off top-notch matches, yep. but they don't let him. It's right. like, dude, what are you doing? He is a fucking premier athlete, dude. What are you guys doing with him? So I think he could definitely benefit from it and show them what he can, what more he can do to hang with the young people. Okay. Let me give you, let me throw another name at you. And this is interesting because this is a guy who's been in NXT before, but I think could benefit greatly from a trip back there. How about Buddy Murphy? We've seen him sort of take a great, great mantle on, on 205 Live and really sort of sell his, shine his star up nicely up there and really sort of round into an all around performer. I don't know that there's a spot for him on the main roster right now where he wouldn't get lost in the shuffle, but he could go down to NXT now where he was an afterthought when he was down there before, and he'd be a main event player right now. Oh, yeah. Now now that he has his style down pat and he knows what to do, when to do it, um, yeah, I, I can agree with that 100%. Um, and especially with after, you know, I know you guys don't, you know, like Tony Nese that much, but... You know, I don't he, dislike he, Tony Nese. I just dislike... The hokiness of the the character, uh, mm. the guy. I mean, and I think Jeff brought it up on Two Hundred Five Live. The guy is billed as the premier athlete, and his finisher is is just ramming his knee into a guy's face. Oh God, it's awful. It's not. It's not a great way to, and it doesn't fit the character. And I said it coming down to WrestleMania. He's coming down as the face going into WrestleMania. He's stopping and counting his abs. Like that's not a face thing. Like no, it's it's a very uneven, weird presentation for Tony Nese. Yeah, maybe they were just. I have a feeling they were just trying to pull the belt off of Murphy because you know what he's going to the main roster during the shakeup. Maybe, uh, or NXT. which I hope, or NXT. Now, is NXT involved in the shakeup? I believe like, so. Like for NXT to pull people back, I believe so. They should at this point if they haven't. If they ha- if they do this, just if they do that, this will change the whole fucking landscape. It should. It Which should. I think it needs it because you can pull guys that aren't being utilized that you know can work right. down at NXT and just mix everything up. I think it would be fucking fantastic. What if it, here's, here's an interesting just sort of wild throw-it-off-the-wall scenario. What if you took a guy like Rey Mysterio who has huge star quality but at an older age doesn't necessarily want to work the full sort of road schedule that the main roster has – you send him down to NXT, you let him work some tapings for a few months, maybe. Just doesn't have to be a long-term thing. But yeah. you use him down there to sort of mentor these guys, put some of these guys over. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, how, how many shows do they record uh, during one sitting? Three, I think. Three-ish. Three. Could he do that uh, if, at his Well, age? I mean, not everybody's on every show. That's sort of what I think. Yeah, yeah okay. All right. That's sort of the thing I think. Yeah, that I, I see what you're saying on that. 
I think that's what sort of helps the NXT product in general. I've said it on the show before. Guys don't get stale down there because you're not seeing them every week, which is yeah, sort of the true. difference between that and the main roster. And I think the main roster could benefit greatly from that, too. Um, you sort of get that on SmackDown. I think that's why SmackDown guys often feel less stale because they're not on every week. Um, yeah. I think Raw being three hours puts them in a position where they have to sort of keep a lot of the main guys on there all the time, and that does sort of lend itself to the product, to the characters on the product getting stale. Which um, which sucks, because if you ask me, you should only see one, uh, you should only see a person on camera once a night. Yeah. Whether it be a just a promo in the back or in the ring. You should never see somebody twice in one night. All right, so we're coming up on five minutes to go in the show. So let's do, we got, I got about three topics left here, and we'll see how many of those we can get through. With. Quick shooters, quick we, shooters. Do a little bit of a lightning round. Ginger. For your money, was this the worst post-Mania and Raw SmackDown of all time? Uh, not all time. I think last year was a lot worse. See, last year I thought we got at least new new angles and new characters. Yeah, but Bobby Lashley? Who gives a shit about Bobby Lashley? Coming off that TNA run, a lot of people did. He was pretty hot. Nah. Coming yeah, back. and what happened? He is dog shit. Booking. Booking. It's not him. It's how he's being presented. I mean, you look. He came back. He had his. He had guys in drag playing his sisters feuding with Sami Zayn over broomsticks, <laughs> and like the Leo Rush thing. Like he's never been presented the way he was as just a dominant badass MMA fighter like he was down in Impact. And I think he really got over down there and could again up here if presented right. But yeah, I think the superstar shakeup being on the week after the post mania Raw SmackDown is sort of throwing everything for a loop because they can't start anything new and they can't blow up their spot and they can't call up new guys yet. Uh, So I think that, that they need to find a way to shift that shakeup a little bit further past WrestleMania or something so that they can maybe do a little something post mania Raw. I mean, this is something you advertise and do network specials as your, your big event of the year. And it was very lackluster this year. So the next big pay-per-view WWE will present to us is money in the bank. We don't know anything about this show yet, but let's just off the cuff. If you could pick one man and one woman who you think could benefit greatly from winning those money in the bank cases, who would you pick? uh, The females. uh, I'm going to say, I should give her what she wants. Okay. And then, as a heel uh, or as a face, have her turn. Ha, ha, I was gonna say have her turn heel, okay. so you can get the Sasha backs from NXT. Okay. Um, as Stole for the my men, there, but yeah. Oh, go ahead. We, yeah. Um, oh God, uh, for the men, 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 men. Um, I want to see somebody new that's never had a strap, a heavyweight strap. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Um, who would benefit? I have a feeling it's gonna be Reigns. I don't want it to be, but I think that's what's going to happen. Hasn't he won it once before? Did he? Did he? I thought he did. Maybe I'm thinking of something. Can't remember. I don't know. Somebody did. Anyway. All right. So what do you yeah, think? Reigns is fair. Uh, for a woman, I was going to say, Sasha, you sort of stole my thunder on there, but if I have to come up Sorry. with another pick, uh, what about Nikki Cross? I think Nikki wants okay. to play with the briefcase. I think that would you could do some, some cool stuff with that uh, and a way to sort of utilize her. She's been very quiet, and oftentimes the Money in the Bank winner is somebody who they're very quiet with leading into the event. They sort of get in there, and you haven't heard a lot of them leading into it. So uh, I could definitely see that. As for the men, it's definitely a tougher pick, but I think in terms of it's almost always a heel because it's a much better sell for the briefcase. It's a cheap sort of way of winning a title. But I think there are two guys in my mind that stand out that could carry it and do a really good job of building the suspense of it, and that's Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. 
I think both okay. of them would be fantastic as briefcase holders. Even mm-hmm. though Kevin Owens seems to still be going as a face, which I'm not a huge fan of. I think he's better as a heel. Um, but I think as a heel with that briefcase, he would be outstanding. All right, last topic. Really quick, and then I'm only this is only here because it strikes a little bit close to home. Uh, our friend of ours... <laughs> from indie wrestling in New England, had a little, gotten himself into a little bit of trouble with some posts on social media. Uh, Dijak posted on oh, Jesus. trying to build a new character, uh, perhaps uh, didn't necessarily read the crowd very well and posted something about purifying America, and of course it was love then, it. then turned into him portraying a white supremacist. Uh, he's apparently since deleted his social media accounts. Uh, due to the pressure of and response. Um, so your thoughts on this one, Ginger? I love it, because when he worked for us in the APW, uh, he was a Yugoslavian nobleman, and it was the greatest fucking gimmick in the world. Yeah. Um, he embraced it, took it on, uh, and this is probably what they had him do. They said, embrace it, do what you want, and uh, people took it wrong. It sucks. So now you probably won't see him on TV for a good month till it calms down, yeah. unfortunately, because he's yeah. a fucking he's, a, he's an amazing guy, and that really aggravates me that people would think like take it to heart. It's a character, people. Well, and it'll be interesting to see because I believe at the tapings they had they set up an angle with him in Velveteen Dream, so it'll be interesting to see if that, that catches air after this. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to stay tuned to NXT and see. But speaking of staying tuned, that is gonna do it. For this edition of The Blender, we want to thank you for listening, and we want to encourage you, go check out the other shows on this Rundown Wrestling feed. We have so much stuff coming in your ear holes on a weekly basis. Just one subscription gets you access to all of it. And, of course, rundownwrestling.com. We are in round three of our hottest woman in WWE tournament and dropping tomorrow or today as you're listening to this, Becky Lynch versus Mandy Rose in a battle that may very well break the internet or break the rundown wrestling site at least and spoiler alert i'm a little bit behind the curtain here because i don't know who's winning but i can only tell you i can see vote totals we are approaching 500 votes cast for zelina vega versus carmella this thing gets bigger and bigger every week and we want to thank you all for continuing to go to rundownwrestling.com and vote for your favorites This has blown up beyond any expectations I think any of us had, uh, and that's all because of you guys. So, that's like I said, that's going to do it for this edition of The Blender. I want to thank you, Ginger, for coming on. Hey, thank you very much, and uh, to everybody out there, pay attention. You might be seeing a new show coming up, guys. Ooh, foreshadowing. I like it. Mm. All right, guys, stay tuned. I will catch you this week on NXT Revisited on... Thursday, Wednesday night into Thursday morning, and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, which you can download Thursday very, very late or Friday morning. Uh, check me out on both those places. Ginger, I, you're on the Rundown this week with us, right? I believe so. All right, so you can catch more of Ginger there. That is going to be it for this edition of The Blender. We will see you next time when we mix it up again.